This is the Heart of Singing podcast, the place where passionate singers and vocal coaches of many different styles will share their passion about the wonderful art of singing and making a career with their voices. I'm your host, Henry Crescini. Now, let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Heart of Singing podcast. I am Henry Crescini, your host, and this is episode six. I hope you have been enjoying the podcast so far. If you have never heard or watched, then you can still do that and you can subscribe to the podcast anchor.fm slash the heart of singing. That's where it is hosted, but you can follow on Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. Apple Podcasts should be coming sometime. It's taken a while, but it doesn't matter. Um, I'm still available on all these platforms. So thank you for your support. If you have been listening so far, and um, if you don't know the podcast much, or if you don't know it at all, and this is the first time you're listening or watching them, welcome. And um, well, today's guest is a very sweet lady, Christina Booth. She's the vocalist of the progressive rock band Magenta, and she has also released some solo material and she has also done some other work. And progressive rock is a music genre that has been very much male dominated. And that's why I like to interview singers like Leslie Hunt, who was my first guest on episode two, and now Christina Booth. I hope I will get a hold of some other female vocalist because it's a it's an interesting way of um, approaching things when male-dominated music has been sung by women. And she will talk with me about uh, how it has been, how she came to this kind of music and how she found her way and what she has done to keep her voice in shape and all this stuff. I hope it will be interesting for you. So without further ado, I leave you with Christina Booth of Magenta. Enjoy. Welcome, Tina. May I say Tina to you? Yes, of course. Yeah, everyone calls me Tina. <laughs> yeah, welcome to the Heart of Singing podcast. You are known as the singer of the prog band Magenta. And uh, you know prog music. I am. Progressive rock music is usually or has been for decades known as a male-dominated kind of music. I know this guy, do you know this guy, Ray Wilson, who sang with Genesis? And he has always told this story that um, Genesis told him when they released Follow You, Follow Me, that's when women started attending their concerts. Before that, it was okay. only men. So, but you are, uh, <laughs> you are the second lady I interview for this podcast who sings with a prog band. So how is it for you? What, what brought you to sing in this kind of style? Um, it was totally by chance, really, because um, in my early years, um, I, in, I was into punk music. So that was around about the same time that prog was quite big. Um, so progressive music totally passed me by. And I was too busy going to see the, the, the Damned and the Clash and, you know, <laughs> pogoing up and down in the mosh pit. And <laughs> Did you so have to... You have the, the... I did. I had I had a little red Mohican at one Mohican, point. Mohican, <laughs> yeah, that's the word I was looking for. Yeah, 
which which my mother was not very impressed about I've got to admit because I was about 15 so um she didn't think that was a good idea at the time <laughs> I can imagine but, um, but yeah so I got into prog really through Rob Reed because we started off back in the 90s um doing songwriting together but that was um, sort of pop music really so um and it was only when that kind of ground to a halt that um he just said to me one day do you want to put some vocals down on a project a studio project that I'm doing um and so I said yes so you know I went up listened to these songs and I thought because one of them was a white witch which is you know from long, revolutions the first album yeah. a very long song and i just i looked at him and i said i don't understand i said what was <laughs> so for me to, to be able to learn that sort of you know a really long song i just had to break it down into little sections you know because i was used to three minute pop songs so you know it was a bit bit of a strange one but yeah that's how i came about getting into prog really was was through rob reed Okay, but so you you have you have a pop background, but you you were aware of this uh, progressive kind of music that was going around, uh, because punk was also going against prog, you know, in a way, right? And uh, so you were aware yeah. of this, but you you had no interest in this kind of music somehow, or, or no, not really. Comment? I mean, I would. Sorry, I I would listen. I I you know I was quite open to listening to. Um, if, if I heard a song and I liked it, then, you know, I wasn't that sort of blinkered that I wouldn't sort of appreciate something. So there were songs going around at the time that um, I, I probably would have listened to and enjoyed. But no, uh, the, the actual whole progressive scene just, you know, totally passed me by. Oh, okay. So it was like a baptism of fire when, when Rob presented uh, these songs to you. And, and you were like, well, this is like extremely long and it goes through so many yeah. phases. Well, that's interesting. And uh, that was supposed to be a studio project, but then it became an actual band, an actual live band with concerts and so on. How did you go about yeah. that? I mean, you, you were approached for a studio project, but then suddenly you were like, oh, okay, there are, there are concerts, there are more albums, there are live albums, there are videos. How yes, was... yeah, well, that was it. But we, we recorded the album and then I didn't hear off Rob for a while. Um, and then he contacted me the one day and he said, um, how do you fancy doing, you know, doing the Revolutions album live? I, I, you know, I said, well, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always one for, for grabbing opportunities for, for performing live. So, so it, the first gig that we did was um, Baja, the festival. Um, oh. And that was first gig which was you know which was big really for us so we had a couple of rehearsals which were initially were disastrous they were just they were awful we were like a we sounded like a school band you know it was it was really quite bad wow and in I my head I cannot I imagine thinking, with such great musicians <laughs> I know it, it's funny isn't it because I remember looking at Chris Fry and we just sort of both you know raised our eyebrows as if to say oh my goodness how are we going to do this but yeah it just suddenly all clicked and um we did a couple of very small gigs originally in in local pubs um just to you know just to do it in front of a small audience and then we went straight over to 
to do the Baja festival then. So that was really quite intimidating. <laughs> yeah, Baja Brock in Mexico, that's like a that's like a pinnacle for many bands. And that was one of your very first gigs. It's amazing. It's like, oh yeah, let's get started with Baja Brock already. <laughs> Why? <laughs> wow. I have yet to see you at the night of the Proc here in Germany. Yeah, we did play. Um, when did we? We did do that, I'm sure. Yeah, but I Is wasn't. Is that the Lorelei? Yeah, yeah Lorelei. Yeah. I wasn't in yeah, Germany so that, yet. Yeah, I, that, that it was quite a few years ago. So, um, yeah, I mean, we'd love to come back and play it. So I think we have tried to get back on because um, it was a it was a great venue and um, you know great audience. So that would be something we'd love to to do again. So you found yourself in this position of being the front woman of a prog band without the previous experience of fronting a band, right? Yeah, well, we had, with, with the pop sort of writing that we'd done with a band called Tripper um, originally, we had gigged that. So mm. I was used to doing live performances, but not, um, we, we didn't gig a lot. So, um, I suppose I was quite inexperienced from that point of view. Okay. And now you were in a situation where, you know, Brock fans are very demanding when it comes to the quality of the music being played. And for you as a singer, so we go a little bit into the topic of singing itself. Um, yeah. Did it pose a challenge for you to kind of uh, be at that level? that you could deliver the things that the fans were expecting to hear live? And did you have to like, like develop a vocal routine for yourself? How did you go about that? Well, I think ignorance is bliss, as they say. So I originally didn't, I don't think I realized um, at the time what you just said really was that there's this quite a high you know, expectation and, and standard that um, that you need to, to be to to please the, the prog fans, I think, you know, they're obviously used to very, very talented musicians. Um, and yeah, I suppose I did have to develop a, a bit of a routine of doing regular singing just because of the, you know, the, the length of the songs and the the complexity of them sometimes as well. And I was pushed a little bit out of my comfort zone with the with the, the vocals, with some of the vocals that we did on some of the songs. So, um, yeah, I because I hadn't had, I'd never had any formal training initially. Mm -hmm. I just realised that I could sing one day, and you know, just opened my mouth, and people went, "Oh, that sounds quite nice." So it was something that I didn't ever really um, realise that I could do until I was, I suppose. Um, early 20s, something like that, you know, it was yeah. something I discovered late on. Oh, late so, on, okay. Yeah, um, but of course, you said, and, and for, you know, the, the gigs were quite demanding with with the length of the, of the gigs that we did, because with the pop stuff, maybe we, we would do a 45-minute set, mm. and then with some of the prog gigs we were doing, then we were looking at, um, you know, sort of two hours and you know, it's quite demanding vocally. So I did have to, I realized then that I was to look after my voice. I was going to have to make sure that I was singing properly, I suppose. So, yeah. Okay. So what did you do about that? 
Um, well, not much initially. Like I said, I, I just I just worked on the fact that I was rehearsing and that I was singing the songs anyway, um, but didn't ever really think about whether my technique was okay. I mean, at the end of gigs, there would be some gigs where maybe I would be a bit hoarse, which obviously mm -hmm. I was thinking, you know, probably wasn't a good thing. Um, but it was a while before I, I then decided to um, just take some vocal tuition just to, to make sure that I was actually singing correctly to try and protect my voice. Um, I was reluctant to go down the, the proper, I did go to a proper vocal tutor. She, um, in fact, she was, Louise was her name and she initially um, was Charlotte Church's vocal coach when she was very young, just when she started getting, you know, famous. So um, I don't know, are you aware of Charlotte Church? I am not. Okay. Um, she's a, a Welsh singer. She was very young when she was discovered an operatic um, voice. Um, and I, I, what I didn't want to happen was for me to have vocal tuition and then to lose the character in my voice because a yeah. lot of the time when you talk to sing pop you know it's all got to be the postures right and you know you have to form the you yeah. know the shape of the mouth has to be right and when you're a rock singer and you're sort of ah, yeah exactly <laughs> over on stage and you know or straining and so I, I didn't want to I wanted to protect my voice but I didn't want to lose my voice you know and, yes. and, and become something else I think that's uh, one of the reasons why many rock singers don't like to take formal instruction because they all think they will be turned into something they're not. And proper vocal instruction should be about helping you find your own voice, but with the correct basis. And uh, exactly. well, of course, there are vocal coaches who actually do the opposite and then actually do change the singer, but that's, that's, not, the, that's not the actual goal of it. No, that, that's very, very true. It is, a, you know, and sometimes it's good to, to have somebody to, to push you to sort of stretch yourself because you don't always appreciate what you can do until somebody sort of almost makes you do it. You know, because I found with when I was having the, the vocal coaching from Louise that, um, you know, she was making me sing songs or making me choose songs that maybe I wouldn't, have thought about you know and that I surprised myself then with I, I just didn't think that I was going to be able to sing them and do them justice and then you know I, I discovered new things about my voice so that was a like you said that's the whole point isn't it you're trying to discover more about what you can do without being turned into into something else so. exactly and so you received this instruction this tuition and then you realized, okay, now I have a, a proper basis. So how did that reflect in, in, the, um, in your work with the band afterwards? Did you feel a difference when you went live? Like, oh, okay, maybe I'm warming up now and then it, I can, I'm not hoarse after a show. How, how was it? Yeah, well, it does. And it also gave me um, the confidence because part of why I started um, having some lessons as well was because of that I started developing a bit of a cough um, after singing after recording in the studio which I was a bit concerned about but at the time I didn't realize that I, I 
had thyroid problem um, mm -hmm. and that can sometimes affect your your voice so um, but but I'd lost a lot of confidence I was in the studio with Rob recording I think we were recording seven and um, I, I, I was having some issues and then of course you get that sort of once it's in your head you're anticipating the fact that you're not going to be able to reach that note so as you're approaching it you're already sort of you know in your head here it comes it's, it's like it's like footballers I mean you know they always say that the the footballers get injured when they go in for a tackle but they don't fully commit to it so they sort of go to go in for a tackle and then they'll pull out and that's when there's an injury and it, it, it's kind of you know it's kind of the same thing with your voice and it's such a, as you know it's such a physical thing yeah that um you know you you have to commit to to sort of to get in that note or as soon as you start pulling back that's it you've, you've you know you're not going to get there yeah but then you developed a more confidence right yes yeah so that was part of the of the thing it wasn't so much that i felt that i needed coaching on how to sing but i just needed somebody to um give me a little bit more technique to work with and then to overcome that sort of mental block that, that I started to develop then. Yes, yeah, singing is not just about the organic instrument, but it's a lot with uh, a lot of mindset, I think. Because, Definitely. And um, people, most of the audiences always expect you to be able, able to sing as perfectly as possible. And the difference between being a singer and being a guitarist is that, uh, well, a guitarist, you can maybe mess up, like, whoops, wrong note, okay, but I, I make the best of it. But with the voice, if you, ah, if you, if the voice cracks, everybody will notice. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and there's no hiding. Exactly. <laughs> so um, how has touring life been for you? I mean, you haven't done like the really long tours, like these uh, massive bands do. But you have had several gigs in a row, different places. Um, did you develop a routine, a sort of routine to go up about this uh, traveling and stuff um, and still being able to perform properly? Yes. I mean, it's, I, the, the longest thing that I've ever done wasn't with Magenta. It was when I did um, backing vocals and my solo stuff with Pendragon um, a couple of years ago. And I you know, jumped on the tour bus with them and did about sort of 11, 10, 11 dates. And that was, I was really quite nervous about that because I'd never had that sort of, you know, stretch of gigs with Magenta. It always yeah. was like a weekend thing. We'd do a Friday, Saturday, Sunday and, you know, three on the trot and that would be it for a while then because Magenta have never been known for, for sort of gigging much. Um, so when I did the Pendragon tour, uh, even though it wasn't me up front singing all the time, you know, it was still every night, it was still quite challenging. And I was doing the backing vocals and I was doing a, a half hour sort of solo set at, at first as well. So um, that was going to be a real tester for me to make sure, you know, that I, that, that my voice was okay. And, and it was, and I, that was, I was very pleased with that, but um, yeah, I, it's, I, it's something that I'd love to do with Magenta. Um, I'd love to do a, a, a proper tour um, because after that 10 days, I could feel the difference in the, in the, in the strength of my voice and yes. 
so I'd, I'd, I'd love to know just how much my voice would improve if, um, if I had a real shot at doing, you know, a tour. Okay. Be interesting. What about your solo music? You have mentioned it already. So did you have two solo albums, right? Yes, yeah, two solo, and I'm working on a, a third at the moment, but due to the whole uh, COVID situation, as we all know, um, yeah, I haven't been able to get up to the studio to, to sort of finish that off. They're still in the demo stage at the moment. Okay. But, um, I mean, that's the other thing as well that I, I would love to do is, um, because I've only done sort of launch gigs for the solo stuff, um, and I think part of it was... It, it's quite hard to, um, I've, I've watched Rob over the years coordinate and try and get the gigs together. And same with Rachel for Pendragon. You know, there is such a massive amount of work involved um, putting gigs together, as, as you probably yes, know as well. Yes. But, you know, and, and trying to coordinate everything, trying to, because trying to get musicians together and it's like trying to herd cats, you know, sort of, <laughs> yes. grab them here, come back here, we haven't finished yet. And, so it's, re it's really quite difficult. So, um, yeah, I, but I'm, I'm part-time in work now. So that would be something that I would, I feel I've got a bit more time. So I'd love to work on, on doing some gigs, solo gigs at some point. Okay, so we can expect new music from you soon. Yes, yeah. I, I want to make the, the classical, the cliche question about your influences. I was surprised when you told that you were into punk music because um, when I first heard you, I was like, wow, this voice is so crystal clear. So I was thinking you would be listening to bands like Renaissance maybe or some of that uh, stuff when you were growing up. Did you have like uh, singers that you looked up to, that you admired, that you kind of emulated even if unconsciously? Yes, yeah, I think so. I mean, one one of my favourite singers, and I think it was uh, because there were albums in the house my parents um, liked her was Ella Fitzgerald. Oh, so nice. I, I listened to quite a lot of Ella, Ella Fitzgerald. Um, Annie Lennox was was somebody that I you know I I loved her voice. I still do, um, and a, a, I, a lot of the female vocalists that I liked um, because, you know, the vocalists like Kate Bush was around about the time as well at the, with, the, with the punk scene, I suppose. But um, so, and people like Debbie Harry, um, Patti Smith, there were a lot of, you know, Susie from Susie and the Banshees. There were a lot of female vocalists that I really liked, all quite different. But I used, did used to listen to a lot of, um, the old stuff that my mum and dad had as well. So um, Denise Williams was a, another vocalist as well that I, my mum used to listen to a lot. So yeah, I suppose, like you said, you don't realise how much you are influenced by something, especially when, you, when you're growing up around something. You know, you, you, you don't realise that you're, you're even listening to it sometimes. But right. I suppose, yeah, a lot of the, old, the older singers I do, I love, yeah. Okay. And um, your music, Magenta's music, uh, your solo music, you are so, one of those artists who are not on the streaming platforms. 
is that a conscious decision? Because it's usually an issue with many because of you know the the, the pay model, which is yeah, highly questionable, and all this stuff. Yeah, I I mean Rob Rob has um, Rob has the final decision on that. To be honest with you, um, so I, from my point of view, and I know he's got his reasons for it because he. Um, that's how he earns his living, you know. And like you said, it doesn't it doesn't pay very well for the for the artist at all, really. You know, the the benefit of the of the streaming is that it, you can get it to a wider audience. Um, I I don't I don't really know. I think Rob likes to keep control of of the magenta catalogs, and and to be honest with you, I I do understand his reasons for that. I a lot of people. You know, I get a lot of messages on Facebook from from fans saying, you know, why why aren't you out there? Why can't we find your music on these sort of platforms? But um, yeah, I always say really that they they should give robbery and uh, and ask him. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pass the book on that one. <laughs> well, at least you are on Bandcamp, and, and yes, that's, that's yeah. a good possibility to stream the albums and buy them and buy them directly from the artist. Um, how yes. do you feel about this uh, current uh, trend to buy digitally rather than CDs? I know prog fans love their albums, CDs or vinyl. Like they love to have them in their hand with a booklet. And they've been like that, but I'm going more into the direction of having less stuff. And uh, so I like to buy my music digitally these days with, a, with some exceptions, of course. What's your take on that? Are you like the vinyl collector, CD collector? Um, I, I quite like having the physical thing, but um, I think you've got to move with the times as well. And I can totally appreciate why, um, you know, it, it, it's so handy to have, you know, thousands of songs on your phone or, you know, it, it's, it's great. You've always got it with you. And, and that's, that's not a bad thing. I think it's, um, you know, it's brilliant that you can access anything at any time. Um, and I think that you you just have to go with that. There's no point in trying to fight, you know, technology and progress. You've, you've got to embrace it, I think. Um, and also, you know, people, maybe the last year has been different because people have ha actually had a lot more time to do things, you know, and I think we've all had to slow down. That's one thing that the pandemic has done yes. is that it's made people slow down. And... But, you know, I very rarely listen to a whole album. I, I'm forever sort of just grabbing the odd track or maybe I'll, I, there's only two or three tracks I like on an album. So I'll just download those rather than have the whole thing. But I, I still do buy the, the physical CD as well as such. I've, I haven't got any vinyl, but um, in, the, in the old days we, when we were short of money, we just get all our records, take it to the market in Cardiff and then sell them <laughs> for a couple of pounds. <laughs> okay. And you mentioned that Rob uh, earns his money with music. So he's a full-time musician, but you are not, right? You have a day job? Or yeah, I, I, yeah. yeah, I've worked in the NHS for, um, for 35 years. Um, so recently gone part-time with that which has given me more time to do other things you know because now I look back and wonder how I managed to fit everything else in when I was working 
full yes, time. I hear you. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I do a bit more of the music. I've got a I've got um network marketing business that I do as well. So keep myself busy and um yeah, I, I but I would love to I'd love to spend more time making music to be honest, but uh it still doesn't seem to be enough hours in the day. <laughs> Okay, but that was a, that was something I wanted to ask you about this uh, work-life balance. You are married, and you have a part-time job. You have a uh, you you have the band Magenta. You have a solo project. So how do you manage to do all these things and still remain calm, kind of not 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 being burnt <laughs> out or something? Um, yeah, it, it it can be difficult. I think. I think I was getting to the stage before the pandemic hit, actually, I was starting to get to the stage where, um, you know, you get these moments in life where you just feel a bit overwhelmed with things because, you know, you suddenly realize that maybe you've overcommitted to things because I, I don't like to say no um, to oh. people, if you, you know, I, I just, that, that's why I, I get this interview with you. <laughs> I, re I would have I would have wriggled out of it if I didn't want to do it. I, I'm very I was very glad that you asked me. It's very very nice. But no, you know, I just I and I I think sometimes that you can um, I just don't want to miss out on opportunities as well. So I quite like you know meeting new people, doing new things. So I tend to say yes to things, and then maybe all of a sudden think, oh my god, how am I going to fit all this in? But uh, yeah, you you've as you get a bit older as well, I think you, you learn to, you do, you do have to learn to say no at some point. Um, cause unfortunately you can't commit to everything, but yeah, it's just, it is all about, you've always got to leave a bit of space for yourself. Um, I love exercise. I love training. Um, I don't go out running as much now cause my, my knees a bit dodgy, but, um, Yeah, and I love doing the garden. So I, you've got to have those little periods in the day where you do something that totally, you know, takes your mind away from from the sort of how hectic things can can get sometimes. Yeah, and uh, we know that current times are hard on everybody, regardless where they work, what they do. I mean, and you work in the health sector, so it's it's quite a challenge, right? Yeah keep your balance yeah it, I'm I work in a in a cancer treatment center now I was in the big um teaching hospital the University Hospital of Wales in Cardiff um and they had they've had a really tough time of it but a year ago I moved over to this um hospital where yeah it's, it's a cancer treatment center so we were actively trying to keep COVID patients out whereas the hospital I used to work in they were taking them all in so I actually had mm -hmm. a bit of an easier time of it than my than my colleagues I think okay and do you sing every day while you're doing all of these things like like running but you don't run so much anymore but do it, doing uh, things in the garden or, or around the house or whatever do you actually take your time to sing like like a well, this, vocal this practice or do you just let it flow I, I do, I do practice. I've been starting to practice a bit more. I'm very lazy when it comes to my voice. I think sometimes because you can, when something comes, and I don't mean this to sound sort of like I'm boastful, but you know, when you can do something and it, that comes easily, 
um, you take it for granted that you're yeah. always going to be able to do it. And but obviously, as you get older, you do you know your voice does change. And I do vocal exercises. I've got um, something on my i my iPod. Um, I downloaded years ago. It's a there's a vocal coach called Brett Manning. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah. I mean, not yeah. him personally, so, but I know that the the program Singing Success. Yes. Yeah. So that that's what I use because I find a lot of those. You know, you do all the old uh, <laughs> and all those things. You know. So it's, <laughs> <laughs> when rolls. the neighbors look through the window when they when they look and they they can see me sort of you know going, they probably think i'm crazy but um yeah so i i do i do vocal exercises um i try and do them every day even if it's only a quick 10 minutes to be honest but um i know now that that as we're coming out of lockdown that things are going to get busy rob um wants me to do some recordings he's got some magenta stuff that he's reworked um okay. and i need to do that and there's my solo album so i need to get my voice because i haven't sung live as you know most of us who are in music haven't now for um you know for over a year so i'm not gig fit for my with my voice at all so i really need to start uh upping it a little bit i need to start doing more definitely well i think When the time comes when you are able to sing live again, I think that will give you the impulse as well. Yes. Yeah, definitely. definitely. I know sometimes we just need that. This kind of a little pushing, like, come on, we have a gig. Oh, okay, we have a gig. Let's do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, there's nothing like, I must admit, I am one of these people. I'll leave things to the last minute and then there's a mad panic. But I almost need that to be able to to do things you know i'm sort of all calm like yeah there's plenty of time and then all of a sudden it's like oh my god <laughs> i feel you it's like like the it's not exactly procrastinating but that kind of a little bit maybe yes yeah. no it is really <laughs> like come on there is time for that i I'm, i'm not in the mood to do it right now and then oh okay time is coming maybe i should yeah. maybe i should get started maybe i should yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay Well, but it, it's been really nice talking to you about all these things. I look very much forward to hearing what will come new with Magenta, new with your solo stuff. Would you be willing to sing something a cappella for us? For us, I mean, for the podcast oh. audience. Oh, it's up to you oh, to, sing, oh, no. to sing something you <laughs> would like to present to us in um, such a format. Just oh, see, I should have done my vocal warm up, shouldn't I? Before I before <laughs> I did this with you now, you're going to catch me out now. Um, maybe just a little tiny bit from so my one the one solo album was called The Light. So um, I'll just do a little bit of that. I no yes. idea. I don't even know what it is in now, but I'll I'll start. It's going to be too much. Okay. I will reach out my hand to you. Oh, will you take it? I want you to. How can you go on when nothing seems right? I want to show you that there is a light. See the light. There we are. <laughs> Lovely. Next. Without having warmed up, and it sounded lovely. 
So ne Thank next next time we're <laughs> next time you can warm up. <laughs> and then it will yeah, sound give me some perfect. warning next time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. For for the audience, it, there was no warning. Thank you. There was no warning at all. It was like sing. Oh, okay. <laughs> Well, thanks, Tina. Well, well, it's been well. a it's been a great pleasure, and I look forward to hearing more from you. Thank you very much. Thanks again. See you soon. Bye. So that was it. That was my interview with Christina Booth of Magenta. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you gained some new insight into her career, and I hope you will check her out and you will check out Magenta and all other stuff. You will find the links here in the video description or in the show notes. So um, I hope you enjoyed it and I hope you will keep listening. You will tune in next time for my next guest. In the meantime, have a great time and remember to always sing your heart out. Bye.